this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter number 13. Matthew, Matthew chapter number 13, there we go. Uh, Matthew chapter number 13 this morning, and uh, I've already been blessed by the music. I trust you have as well, and we look forward to what the Word of God has for us. And it is good to be uh, back home. My family and I, as you know, were able to get away for a few days, and we always enjoy that, uh, but it's always uh, exciting to get back home, and I've already heard it from some this morning uh, that when pastor is away out of the pulpit, uh, he always comes back uh, wound pretty tight with a lot to say because it's been all bottled up, and uh, I've already heard that this morning, and I would hate to disappoint you, uh, um, but I will say I have prepared a brief message this morning. I'm not going to preach it, but there is a brief one prepared for another time. Uh, but I do want to look into the book of Matthew, chapter number 13. Uh, we'll look at the end of the books, beginning with verse or end of the chapter, verse number 53 of Matthew, chapter number 13. And I want to remind us of a very important thing this morning, and I want to draw our attention to this passage of scripture verse 53 of Matthew chapter number 13. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James? and Joseph, and Simon, and Judas, and his sisters. Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him, but Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country, and in his own house. I want you to notice verse 58. I believe it's one of the saddest verses in the New Testament. I believe that this morning it ought to speak to us, verse 58, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Well, think about that this morning. He did not many mighty works there because of his lack of power? No. Because of his desire to meet needs? No. Because of his ability to do miracles? No. For one reason our Lord and Savior did not perform many miracles with his home people, with people that he knew very well, was for one reason. It was because of their unbelief. This morning I want to speak on this subject, why no miracles? Why no miracles? Sometimes we look at circumstances in our own life and we like to point a finger at others. We like to point a finger at our own God of why a miracle has not taken place in our life. And sometimes it is because of our own unbelief. Let's ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, I pray that uh, as the Word of God is preached this morning, may the Holy Spirit of God uh, give clarity of thought. May the Holy Spirit of God work in hearts this morning. And Father, I, I know that if there's one here that's unsaved, I know your heart is for them to put their faith and trust in Christ this morning. And Father, if there's one away from you, I, I know that 
you would gladly receive them back into sweet fellowship with you. And Father, I know that with this size crowd, there are some that are discouraged this morning. There are some carrying burdens. Uh, there are some at points of decision. And Father, may we uh, look to the Word of God this morning as a source of strength and encouragement and a reminder of uh, where our hope lies, and it's in you. Father, we pray uh, that you bless the service now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I love reading through the Gospels. I, I love reading the Bible, but the Gospels are just something about the Gospels. Uh, reading about our Savior. Reading about, of course, we have in the Gospels, we have the account of the crucifixion of our Savior, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Aren't you thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Aren't you thankful for His willing sacrifice? This morning, I am so glad that I can stand with great confidence and know that I have a risen Savior. I don't have to be concerned about whether or not He's on His throne this morning. I don't have to be concerned whether or not He's still saving sinners this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ is alive. He is well. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And I'm so thankful, so thankful for my salvation as we read through the book of Matthew and the other Gospels, I, I, I enjoy, I've read them probably hundreds of times in my lifetime, uh, the stories and the accounts and the miracles that Christ does. Uh, and I hope we approach it every time we read about a miracle that Christ does and, and did in one of the Gospels that we look at it like we saw it for the first time and remind him of the power of God, reminded of the heart of God, reminded of what God can do in a life. And this morning, we all sit here as a reminder of what God can do in a life, do we not? Uh, some of us, we need to be reminded from time to time what we were before Christ found us. Uh, all of us could say we were on our way to hell. All of us could say that we had no hope, we had no future without the Lord Jesus Christ. But everywhere that Christ went, He touched lives. He changed lives. He altered futures. You could not encounter Him without knowing you were in the presence of the Son of God. Uh, that's why it's so sad and it's so revealing whenever he was re we read of His rejection on the pages of Scripture because it was evident He was the Son of God. There was something different about this man. Has anyone ever spoke as it spake as this man spake? And uh, He performs these miracles everywhere He went. But yet we find this account in Scripture of him coming home. And he goes into the synagogue as the account that we read. And the summation of his time, this visit was, there was miracles that he could have done, but he didn't do them. There was miracles he was willing to do, but he didn't do them. It was not because the heart of God had turned cold. It was not because the power of God was limited except for the unbelief. And friend, I wonder how many times that scene has played out in churches just like this church. Well, we have a God who wants to save a soul. We have a God who wants to change a life. We, want, we have a God who wants to strengthen for a burden and perform a miracle. And friend, if you're not in need of a miracle today, <clears throat> the time will come in your life when you will need the, the interceding of an almighty God. I want us to look very practically at several things this morning and see how that we can apply this and be reminded of the importance of our faith. 
because of the unbelief. Today, I still believe that God is a miracle-producing God. I don't believe that Christ is limited to save except for unbelief. That is the limitation that keeps an unbeliever from becoming a believer. It's the limitation that keeps one lost and on their way to hell from becoming saved and on their way to an eternal heaven. I want to look very practically at this passage of Scripture, and then at the conclusion of the message, we'll tie it all together. If we see verse 58, he did not many mighty works. He was limited there because of their unbelief. Now, that verse gets my attention. I hope it gets your attention this morning. It reminds me that we have a Savior that is a miracle-working God. How many of you are saved this morning on your way to heaven? That's a miracle. Nobody can ever say that God's never done a miracle in my life. If you're saved this morning, in that moment you put your faith, in all of your faith and trust in what Christ did on Calvary for your salvation, your eternity was changed from hell to heaven. That's pretty miraculous. Uh, your, your future was one without hope, and now it had hope. That's pretty miraculous. Uh, some of you did not look like you look now when you walked into the church house and you put your faith and trust in Christ. And what a life that can be cleaned up by salvation. But if many miracles were not done, I want to find out what took place. Because, friend, I want to see miracles. I still want to see lost come to Christ. I still want to see uh, Christians encouraged and God work in their life. I want to see those things. So, if God, if Christ left without performing mighty works because of their unbelief, I want to look into this passage of Scripture and see what I can learn from it. I want you to notice, first of all, that they were in the right place. When he was come, verse 54, into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. They were in the house of worship. They were in the church house, if you will, this morning. They were in the right place. And let me just stop and say, let me commend you for being in the right place this morning. It's better for you to be here than anywhere else on a Sunday morning. And can I just throw this out there at 6 o'clock tonight? The best place you can be is right here again in the house of God again. And Wednesday night at 6.30, you could be here to, 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 to hear the Word of God taught and be a part of a Bible study. Hey, this, this, there's no better place that we can be. And I commend you this morning for being where you ought to be. There's a lot of people who name the name of Christ, but they don't darken the door of a church. That just doesn't go together. I want to commend you this morning for being in the right place. But that's what we find here in the Scripture they were in the synagogue. And we need to be reminded in this day we live that there's still a command for us to honor the first day of the week. There's still, a, there's still a need for us to be in the house of God, to be in church on the Lord's day. And I know that we, we're in an NFL town, and it's the fall, it's football season, but, but we should not work our schedule around a pigskin. Uh, we ought to be in the house of God where we ought to be. You know, I hadn't said this in a long time, and I guess I am wound up from not being here. There used to be a lot of large churches in Jacksonville. Bible preaching churches. There's not as many as there used to be. 
There's not as many Bible preaching churches as there used to be. Just a challenge for you sometime. See if there's a correlation that when we got the NFL to when there's the decline of the church in Jacksonville, Florida. Just going to throw that out there to you. A research project for you to do. But we ought to be in the house of God. Many don't get the need they could get because they're not in church. It breaks my heart to know that people have needs that could be met through the word of God. Through the fellowship. Through having others pray for them. But yet they don't know what it's like to have a pastor. They don't know what it's like to have a brother and sister in Christ who cares for them and prays for them because they're not in the house of God. We find in Scripture they were in the right place. So as we look at verse 58, and, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief, I find that they were in the right place. And secondly, they heard the right things. I mean, this is Jesus teaching them. So I would dare say they are hearing what they needed to hear. And by the way, you and I need to hear the Word of God. I, I, I'm, all, I'm all for it, and, and I'll preach it to you, and I'll remind you again this morning that every Christian ought to have their own walk with God. You ought to have a daily time with your God that you spend time in that book, you spend time in prayer. Every Christian ought to have that. And what we do on Sunday morning does not replace your walk with God. As your pastor, I will be faithful to teach that book. I have committed myself to do that. I will be faithful to pray for you. But you cannot live off of what your pastor does on Sunday morning and Sunday night. You need your own walk with God. And likewise, you can't replace what goes on on Sunday morning with your own walk with God. In the life of a Christian, we need both. But they heard the right things. You and I need to hear the right things. We live in a day today where people choose church not based on whether or not the Word of God is preached. But how am I going to be entertained? It's more important for you to hear the Word of God preached than that you hear a, a, a knockoff rock band on Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, I am wound up this morning. If I was going to listen to that kind of music, I'd go listen to a good band. Not one that couldn't make it and say, well, i find some church I could play in. I mean, if I'm going to listen to that kind of music that appeals to my flesh and gets me to work out, I might as well go hear a good one. I just, that just makes too much sense. We don't come to church for that. We come to church to hear the right things. Uh, I appreciate our music. I appreciate the effort that goes into it. I appreciate the emphasis. And, I, and we, we, we put emphasis on the music here and the right kind of music. But the music's not the program. The preaching of the Word of God is the program. The, the teaching of the Word of God is the program. But, okay, they heard the right things. They were in the right place. They heard the right things. So, so far, if we're going to get what we can get out of this passage of Scripture, so far what I gather, maybe you come to a different conclusion, but what I gather is you could be in the right place and God can still withhold miracles. 
What I gather so far is not only can you be in the right place and God withhold miracles, you can hear the right things and God not do a miracle. Because they're where they're supposed to be. They're listening to what they're hearing, what they should hear. But yet verse 58 is still there. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Let's continue and see what else we can find in this passage of Scripture. Not only were they in the right place, number one. Not only did they hear the right things, number two. But number three, they heard them from the right person. We know the answer to this. Is there anyone who could teach the Word of God with any more clarity than the living Word of God? If I was going to hear, if I could pick anybody to hear uh, expound on Scripture, I think I would pick Jesus. The living Word, they were in the right place. Hearing the right things, focus is on the right person. Hearing it from the right person. Uh, but yet, he left not doing many miracles. Are we drawing a parallel this morning? You can be in the right place. You can hear the right things. It can be about the right person. And yet... You can leave without a miracle. And yet, God can move without ever performing a miracle. It reminds me of what I believe, sadly, a scene that plays out far too often in the life of individuals. They come to the right place. They hear the right things. It's about the right person. But yet they never have a change in their life. I believe we'll be amazed when we get to heaven about a lot of things, but I believe we'll be amazed when we get to heaven because there'll be some people there we didn't expect to be there. And I'm not just talking about who you're sitting next to this morning. But don't we do that? Don't we judge? Well, that person is lost as could be. And that person, that, there's going to be people in heaven that, that put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed on him because everybody's going to be in, that's going to be in heaven one day are all getting there the same way. But likewise, I believe we'll be surprised by some who aren't there. Well, I know they always went to the right place. I know they were always in church. I know it was a Bible preaching church. I know it, it was a place where it was about the right. They talked about Christ. They talked about God. But yet there was never the miracle of salvation in their life. There are, there are many who are going to give an account of a time when they walked into a church on an Easter Sunday or, or a special emphasis and they came because they were invited and they heard a gospel message but yet, they never experienced the miracle of salvation in their life. This is not just the only emphasis of my message this morning, but let me stop right now and remind all of us, church memberships never got anybody into heaven. Perfect attendance at the church houses never got anybody into heaven. Putting spiritual jargon into your vocabulary has never got anyone to heaven. 
The only way anyone enters into the presence of God is through the applied blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can be in the right place, hearing the right things, the emphasis on the right person, and never experience the miracle of salvation in their life. Many are going to be reminded because they walked away from an opportunity they had and they did not have that miracle and they're going to stand before God and say and give all kinds of excuses and they're going to be reminded you were in the right place. Wherever that was, there was a preacher that was faithful to preach the right message and to point to the right person. But yet you never experienced that miraculous change of salvation in their life. Likewise, many a Christian sits on church pews, their attendance in a church house, what it should be. They come to the right place. They hear the right things. They're pointed to the right person. But they leave and they live without a miracle God would do in their life. So, so far, we see they were in the right place, hearing the right things from the right person. But yet we find Christ did not many works, and we're told it's because of their unbelief. So he, we're given the answer as we look at this passage of Scripture, it's because of their unbelief. Pastor, why? Why would somebody, when they're faced with their own eternity, why would they not put their faith? Why would they not believe? And I, I'm privileged. I, I grew up in a not just a Christian home, a pastor's home. I was very, very young when I received Christ as my personal Savior. In the first moment, I understood it. I chose Christ, and I'm thankful for that. Why would anybody not? So it's hard for me to fathom. Because the moment I heard Jesus died for me, the Holy Spirit of God told me as best I understood, you're going to go to hell because you are a sinner. And I put my faith and trust in Christ best I knew how, and I got saved that day, and I've been saved ever since. I don't understand why somebody would get live without that miracle. The answer to all unbelief, the unbelief that keeps somebody from salvation. Matter of fact, this is a good reminder for all of us. You can bring somebody to the church house, and you should. You should invite people to a Bible-preaching church, which this is. We can keep the focus on the right person, which we will. You can't choose salvation for them. Every parent, you're still rearing your children, you ought to make sure your children are in the house of God. And when they get to be 13, 14, 15, that's not a time to give them the option of whether or not they're going to church. Drag them to the church house. Make sure they're there. They need to be in the right place. They need to hear the right things. It needs to be about the right person. But they have to choose they have to decide. The source of all unbelief is found in verse number 57. And they were offended 
in him. Now, why in the world would they be offended by Christ? And that's the conclusion we come to when they were in the right place. They heard the right things. It was from the right person, yet they were offended in him. How were they, why were they offended? Have you ever noticed how people get offended today? I hate to break this to you this morning, but I've offended people. Now, it has not been, and as you know, my personality would never offend anyone. My charm would never offend anyone. But can I tell you, there's been many offended because the Bible was opened and said, your religion can't save you. Confessing your sins to a priest won't save you. You can't work your way to heaven. Have you ever offended anyone when you gave them a gospel tract and asked them that question, if you were to die today, you're 100% sure you'd go to heaven? How were they, why were they offended? They were in the right place. They, they, they heard the right things. They heard it from the living word of God. It was the right person. But yet we find in verse number 7, they were offended in him. How could they be offended? This is the, the word you ought to mark down. You ought to put in your margin. Pride. Because of their own pride. They were offended that day. You know how many times, it's a number you and I couldn't add up this morning, how many times a lost person's ever left the church house after hearing a gospel message, offended by the message. When you and I who have experienced salvation, we have a glimpse of the love of God that we do not understand. How can we be offended by a God who would love us so much that instead of just casting us into a, an, ever, a, a, an eternal hell would send His own Son to take upon Him our sins? Friend, you and I need to be reminded Christ died on that cross of Calvary not bearing His own sins. He had no sins to bear. He was there that day because of your sins and my sins and the sins of every man there's nothing offensive about that. There's a love that I cannot comprehend. The Almighty God who's created all things loved me enough that instead of throwing me into hell where I deserve to be, He sent His own Son in His perfection and righteousness and was willing to pay my sacrifice so that I could, be, I could put my faith in Him and have eternal life. And I can stand here today, a holy and a righteous God looks at me and He doesn't see my, my sin, He doesn't see my failures. He sees the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ because His blood has been applied to my account. How is that offensive? Unless we let our pride get in the way. And I'm not as bad as the Bible says I am. Who does that man think he is to pass judgment on me? I'd remind you, I don't pass judgment on anybody. 
That book right there does. The greatest love story ever told. How could that offend? Except for pride. How many miracles in the life of a Christian have been missed because we could not humble ourselves in the presence of an almighty God? How many miracles through answered prayer have Christians missed church membership, church attendance in the right place, the book being preached, it about the right person, but yet we don't humble ourselves enough in the presence of God to acknowledge the fact that we need Him. We must have Him. Or maybe there's something in our life the Spirit of God speaks to us about. Oh, we know how we play these word games as Christians, don't we? Well, the Bible doesn't say it, but there's plenty of Bible principles that the Holy Spirit of God can speak to my heart about something that I know should not be there. I know that's hindering my walk with Him, and yet there's miracles that could be attained in my own life. But because of my own pride, it got in the way of belief, faith. We know that faith is how we please God. The Bible tells us that. So why are we so hesitant to live by faith? They let pride, they were offended very quickly as we're running out of time. Notice in verse number 54. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue and so much that they were astonished. They were not astonished in a good way. They were, were not... I, 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 don't know, I don't know if you think this way, but I'm looking forward to heaven one day for a lot of reasons. I, I want to hear the voice of my Savior. I want to see Him. I have loved ones there I want to see. But I want to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's not a, there can't be a voice like his voice. And as I find myself, whenever it says he taught them, trying to imagine man listening to the voice of God. And they were astonished. I will be astonished in his presence by his glory. By what I see. But I'll be astonished by hearing the voice of God. They were not astonished that way. It was who does he think he is? To walk into our midst and teach what he's teaching. They were astonished. Why were they astonished? And said, whence hath this man this wisdom? I want to see his degree. I want to see his approval by the Sanhedrin. Who gave him what group of men, what religious organization gave him the authority to say what he's saying? He was an unlearned as far as they were concerned. 
But see, their pride cannot get over the fact that somebody with a lot of degrees after their name, somebody that didn't have all of that, could be the Son of God. Because in their intellect, in their knowledge, oh, we could not humble ourselves under somebody who didn't, wasn't learned and taught by other men. Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Did he really do these works? The astonishment there was not, did you hear what Christ did? His miracles were, they were not talking about his miracles in that way. It was, I don't believe he really did it. I believe the stories have just grown and grown. Or what kind of satanic influence is he using? Their pride could not accept the fact that it was not their wisdom that was needed. It was not their works that would justify. But yet here is the Son of God. And we go on. Verse 55, is not this the carpenter's son? And they go, they go on. Is not his mother called Mary? Who's Mary? They go on and list brothers and sisters and, and, and all these. We, we, there's no way that this could be the one we should submit to. He's just the carpenter's son. See, they, they, they couldn't accept him as the son of God. They would only accept him as the carpenter's son. What was it that got in the way of their, un, of their belief? Their pride. Because truth of the matter is, they looked down at the carpenter. They looked down at Mary. Whence then hath this man, verse 56, all these things... He was not noble enough in their mind. He did not have the education in their mind. He was not worthy in their mind because they had placed themselves on such a plateau that they were offended. Their own pride got in the way. I don't know this morning the spiritual condition of everybody here. There may be somebody here this morning that if you take your last breath today, you're going to split hell wide open. Friend, there's not enough preaching on this today. Everybody has an eternal soul that will spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell, and at the, the risk of offending you. I'll get off of my conscience that I told you that without the Lord Jesus Christ, you have no eternal hope, but just eternal damnation. You're in the right place this morning. You hear the right message this morning. Everything's been pointed at the right person this morning. Don't leave the house of God in unbelief. Don't leave without the miracle of salvation in your own life. You have a Savior who is ready to save you. You have a Savior who's already paid the price. You have a God in heaven who will accept you into the family of God through the shed blood of His only perfect, righteous Son. Don't miss the miracle 
because of your own pride. Christian, likewise, don't miss the miracle that God can do in your own life. Victory over a besetting sin. A miracle of some sort that you need. And by the way, saying, well, God's just never going to do it. That is pride. Well, God would do that for somebody else, but not for me. That is pride. Why do Christians not pray? Don't we, don't we wave our hand and say amen when the preacher gets up and says, we, through the Lord Jesus Christ, can enter the presence of an almighty God, the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the God who can do all things, the God who can stop time, he can rewrite the laws of science because he is the almighty. Don't we shout the victory? We say, we can go to him and pray and he can meet any need in your life. Then what is it that keeps us? From bowing a knee and seeking the miracle. I read those words and they speak to me, they bother me. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I don't want it to ever be said. He did not many mighty works at the Emmanuel Baptist Church because of their unbelief. How sad for somebody to walk away from a Bible preaching church hearing a clear presentation of the gospel. And because of their own pride, not have the miracle of salvation. How tragic in the life of a Christian this morning. You could have a miracle. Now, we don't know what the will of God is, and sometimes we ask God for a miracle of some sort, and He chooses to grant a different direction, a different thing. But all of us, if you're saved this morning, if you experienced the miracle of salvation, and after salvation, God has done miracles in all of our lives. But what are we missing out on? As a church, all the opportunity in front of us I believe this morning. I know there's others that believe this morning of what God could do. But does every member of Emmanuel Baptist Church believe that God can do the miracles that He wants to do? In your own life this morning, first of all, search, make sure you know you're saved. You've put your faith and trust in Christ. No man can save you. No church can save you. Only through the Son of God can you find salvation. Christian, this morning I want to challenge us. What miracle could we have if we didn't let our pride get in the way? Many times God would do a miracle in the life of a Christian He's going to ask you to go through something. He's going to ask you to give up something. He's going to ask you to trust him with something or someone. Oh, I want to be closer to God. Do you really? 
There's only a few ways to be closer to God. Are you willing to go through it? Willing to carry that cross? Pastor, I, I want to serve God in a greater way. The Spirit of God says, if you're going to need to do that, you're going to have to get that out of your life. You're going to have to change this. You're going to have to fix this. You need to live at a higher level. And in our own pride, we say, no thanks. There's a reason why in that book that you and I claim to be the Word of God, and it is the Word of God. We're warned about pride more than any other thing. This morning, could you experience a miracle if you got your pride out of the way? If you're unsaved, if you lay down your pride and say, I need what Christ did on Calvary for my salvation, he'll save you. Let's not let him walk away from our life with the testimony, I would have done a miracle, but for the unbelief. But for the unbelief. But for the unbelief. Father, I pray this morning that...